Welcome back to Missing. I am Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I'm doing great today, Tim. I hope uh, all the listeners out there are doing as great as I'm doing. And I think that this conversation coming up is super important because we always love bringing to the show people who are closely connected to the missing individuals that we speak of, especially when they are the parents. And we've spoken about this individual in previous episodes. Always great to have the parents come on to continue the conversation. But Tim, before we get to it, how are you? I am doing great. Thanks a lot for asking, Lance. And yes, this conversation with Lisa and Kent Landry, Jason Landry's parents, um, I think is is good for the listeners to hear because they've got some information that we didn't talk about in our last conversation with Jason Watts and Catherine Shellman, two advocates who have been conducting searches for Jason in the area near Luling, Texas, where he went missing on December 13th, 2020. And that conversation, if you want to hear that, was about a month or six weeks ago or so. You can scroll back a little bit in the feed and find that. But this conversation's great, Lance. Yeah, and if it does nothing for you when you listen to it other than motivate you to look into Jason's disappearance, that's really all we can ask. You can hear it in, especially Lisa's voice, how she is frustrated with just like her own lack of knowledge in her son's disappearance. We've asked questions and she just sort of nervously laughs sometimes and says, I just don't know. Because there's so much mystery here when it feels like there really shouldn't be. It's very similar in the sense of the way Maura Murray disappeared or Brianna Maitland, where you have the single car accident and then just nothing. Uh, This one, though, there is more than just nothing. There's clothes. There's his pet goldfish. There were a lot of indicators that there was something, I think, going on a little bit deeper in his state of mind at the time. Okay, so if you have any information, you can call the Texas Attorney General at 512-936-0742, or you can call anonymously at 726-777-1359. And check out the Landry's Facebook page. You can find that at Find Jason Landry. And they also have a GoFundMe. They are trying to raise $20,000. They are almost at $15,000 of that $20,000 goal. So if you go to GoFundMe.com and search for Jason Landry, you'll find this. The actual link will be in the show notes. They want to double the reward. All right, we're going to break quick for commercial here, and we'll be right back with Lisa and Kent Landry. Thanks a lot for listening. Welcome to the podcast, Lisa and Kent Landry. How are you this morning? Doing great. Thank you. Good. Thank you for joining us. We have a mutual friend in common in Jason Watts, and he is an advocate who's helping on the ground and by going out there to the media, talking with us to help give you some answers about your son, Jason. And... He texted us over the past couple of days to make sure that we took care of you. He said they're great people. And we love having conversations with really good people. Unfortunately, we have to have conversations about topics like this. Uh, So just thank you for coming on. I know it's difficult, and we really appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, Jason's great. He's done a lot for us, and we appreciate it so much. If we can start um, by asking about your son, Jason, um, just... uh a little bit about him, about his personality, and and what kind of person he is. Oh gosh, well, um, he's just someone who who was happy a lot, um, kind. He had a big heart. 
He um, had a great smile, was known for his hugs, the way he would hug people. He'd give you his big smile and he'd uh, walk up to you with his arms straight out to the sides and wrap them all around you, grab your head and everything. It was a good hug. <laughs> he enjoyed his music and uh, over the years he, you know, liked his uh, fictional characters, you know, from Thomas the Tank Engine to Lightning McQueen <laughs> to Sonic, um, Star Wars, the Avengers. He was he liked all of those things. Where did he get the um, hugs from? Was that something that just happened naturally that he started to do, or was he taught? Oh, my gosh. Well, we do a lot of hugging in our family. We have a huge family on both sides, so um, I guess it just kind of grew. Um, we have a lot of good huggers in our family. <laughs> so he he inherited it. It was it was uh, genetic. <laughs> well, sure, I'll take credit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, what kind of music was he into? You said that he was into music. Well, he was in band, so he did, um, you know, marching band, symphonic band. He also was in the orchestra and the jazz band, all that in high school. Um, he wanted to look towards uh, his future in music as well. Uh, he played several instruments, but uh, hadn't narrowed in on one and was trying to teach himself uh, the guitar recently, so... I just uh, want to get a sense of the uh, geography of that area, um, not, not being from uh, Texas or, or having visited uh, too often. It was about a two and a half hour drive to get from San Marcos to where we live. And it's um, it was something he had only driven twice before. So it wasn't a route he knew very well. And he was one to rely on whatever ways told him to do so. So he was following the the Waze app. That's what you're saying. Yes. So you you mentioned that Jason um, only made the trip from Texas State to your house a couple of times. Um, why was that? He had only been there one semester. One time he came home for uh, to vote, and then he came home for Thanksgiving, and then this would have been the third time. And I assume he went the same route um, instead of like going through Austin, but I don't really know if he, you know, made a stop at his cousins or something on the way home a different time, you know, different times. So the most he had done, it was two times before. So he just hadn't been there very long and was <laughs> stuck in an apartment because of COVID. So, and we hadn't made it up there other than moving him in. So, cause he, you know, we were out of town and then he came home those times. So we just, we're going to go next semester. We had Jason Watts and Catherine Shellman on the show a few months ago, a few weeks ago, to talk about this. And we had touched on the topic that you just brought up as well in regards to COVID. And Jason disappeared in December of 2020, which was right in the middle of all of that. And it affected us all in different ways. And we were talking about how we're starting to cover these disappearances that happened in that time period, 2020, 2021. And we're seeing a lot of similarities with how people reacted to being isolated and, and not knowing what to do in those terms. How did Jason react to that? Was that something that had a big impact on him? Yeah, COVID was not uh, not good for Jason. He He's a people person, need to be around people. Um, so while he was at Texas State, he 
he got a job. I was hoping he'd just focus on his grades, but um, but I guess you can't only do that since none of the other activities were open and he wasn't in any classrooms. Um, he started off with one of his four classes being in the classroom. And then when he was, uh, his roommates got COVID, he had to stay home. So he had to do all of his classes on well, I guess on Zoom, except two of them didn't even have Zoom. They were just all self-study. Um, so that was not his best way of handling school. Uh, he, he was doing better in college with, with professors around. So he ended up um, getting a job. He had already been working at Jimmy John's here. So he got a job there working at Jimmy John's and I imagine that was a good release for him to be able to leave his apartment and go work there and have something to do besides besides study and be in his little bitty apartment room. While he was at uh, Jimmy John's, you know, he was working the drive through and he was very, uh, they told us he was very personable with the, the people in the drive through and and just working with the other employees there. So. Great. So he was friendly with uh, some of the other employees. Would you call them friends uh, with any of those uh, folks or just friendly? Um, I guess I don't really know. I imagine they were friends after working together. But he, uh, he, yeah, I guess he'd been there several months while he was there that one semester. So it wasn't for too long. When he went to visit you, did he let you know the time that he went missing? Did he let you know he was he was uh, heading on over? Uh, no, we didn't know he was coming home. One of the times he came home, he left during the night and drove um, drove late. Uh, but he did tell us that time, uh, so then I could worry all night. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, but we didn't know this time. Was that something that was common that you know he just didn't really feel like he had to? give people the heads up or give the two of you the heads up if he was traveling? I don't think it was a big deal. He didn't travel home a whole lot, not that semester, of course. And then when he spent a year at Sam Houston, I don't remember him coming home a lot either. So it just wasn't something that was set one way or the other. He's probably exploring his independence of being at college (laughs) and out from under us. (laughs) Okay. And um, the other times that he visited you, um, did, did he bring his pet fish with him? (laughs) <laughs> yes <laughs> okay okay yeah that was one detail from our uh, previous conversation that that s- seemed uh you know kind of in- interesting that that he would keep it in his growler um during those trips that's what that cup was for was to transport the fish he didn't drink from it later um <laughs> right so no his um yeah because he was going to be home for a couple of weeks so you know fish isn't like a cat so um <laughs> it wouldn't have lived so was he a big animal person feels like feels like he probably was yes his first job was at a pet resort place or pet lodging place and um, and he loved it he we had a dog all growing up and but he loved working at that place and um I, i i had this thoughts that possibly in the in his future he might do something with animals but he did like he did like lots of animals that's great. And um, tell us about uh, the, the route that he took and, and how his car was um, found. Are those aspects of his disappearance um, really like naturally confusing, I guess, uh, to you both? Or, or does some of that make sense um, where his car ended up? 
Oh, I guess it's a little bit of both. I imagine he's driving home in the dark, 30 minutes in. He's supposed to take a right turn, then a left turn to stay on his path. Uh, we know that Waze was turned uh, or gone inactive. He went to a different app right, about, right before he got to that turn. So it's possible he didn't know, he didn't realize he was supposed to turn. Uh, but the fact that he went so far on that road for like, almost five miles, that's very confusing because the road is not a great road and it's pitch dark and uh, I don't understand. Um, it, might, it was a road that would be hard to turn around on, but I think it would have been possible. I mean, I don't know. There's just so many, so many questions, so many questions. Yeah, I, I imagine that you look at a map or, you know, you pull up Google Maps or something like that and you look at it and you try to figure out like where the decision was made to go down this road and why and why this far. Have you gone there physically to look around? Uh, yes, I think it's very easy to go straight instead of turn. Um, I could see me doing that. You just get on kind of automatic and you just keep driving without thinking. So you have to be aware to make that turn. And since it wasn't a habit for him to make the turn, Plus, he relied on his, you know, his directions. I don't find it odd that he missed the turn because uh, I could see myself doing the same thing. I find it odd that he continued for so far. Yeah, that's that's the hard part. Having driven that at night and day and, well, approximately the same time he did, there's not a lot of signage on that turn. I mean, there's no, there's nothing that you have to either know where you're going, uh, have directions or observe that sign on the other side of the intersection. So going through that intersection instead of turning, that's not a surprise. Um, and then you just go a couple of blocks and then the road wise, but the dominant one would be to the left. So I could see going down Salt Flat Roads Road a little ways, but to go that many miles without turning around is just, that's still one of the things that just and you can never speak to someone else's state of mind, but I'm just, I'm just not sure how that would make sense. It is a small little uh, two-lane road. It is not easy to turn around. And, and of course, the surface changes later. But there's, there's like at one part along the road, maybe about a mile down, you come to a stop sign where, um, what's the name of that? Soda, Soda Springs. Springs Road. There's a stop sign there, and that's the that's the one that always makes me go. If I were there, and I'd, I'd be like, "Where in the heck am I? I'm sitting here at a stop sign. I can turn around in that intersection. That's that's where I would even even you know even if I were just too along, not paying attention, that would be the one that would make me go. Why didn't you just turn around now or check your phone or that's that's the one that to at least to me. Right, and I, with his phone that was found down yes, the side of the seat, that yeah. would have been a good time to just to get out of the car. That's one of the things. It. If it's if it yeah. slipped down, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. But that would be the one where I'd be like, okay, this is a good spot to get, you know, open the door, get out, find my find my phone, and figure out where in the heck I am. It was freezing cold, yeah. and he had shorts on. And- yeah, you said something about you don't really know someone's state of mind. You can't put yourself in their shoes directly, and I think it's a really healthy like thought process to go through these scenarios and say, if I had been there, what would I have done? If my phone had fell, when, you know, when would I have tried to really figure out where am I? Should I turn around? 
And I, I think that's a really healthy thing to do because then you can start to maybe relate a little bit to what someone was going through at that time. And was there anything about his state of mind in the days leading up to it that you can attribute to him being in a state where he wouldn't be thinking the way you would expect him to be thinking? You know what I mean? Well, I'm talking with his friends. I know because this is right after finals ended and given Jason's study habits of procrastination and cramming at the last minute, you know, he hadn't been sleeping, hadn't been eating right. You know, then of course, the specter of drug use. So, you know, he's, and that, and that's part of the other aspect is, you know, for us to sit here as armchair quarterbacks, you know, thinking, oh, this is what I would have done in perfect state of mind with resources and reflecting on it. But when, you know, as for me, you know, just where your phone slips down between the seats, I can, I, there's been plenty, I've gone miles down the road fishing with my hand, trying to find my phone when my phone went down there, when I should have pulled over. We've all probably taken a phone call uh, not hands-free while driving when we know we shouldn't, we should turn over and do that. So that's, that's part of, that's part of the aspect. I don't think Jason was by any means in his normal uh, state of mind uh, between all of those aspects. So, you know, given where he probably was, I, I don't think he was, you know, he wasn't making good decisions along that line. Who knows? I talked to him the day before. He went missing Saturday, uh, Sunday evening or night. But Saturday, I called him, and he answered. We had a normal conversation. Uh, I remember thinking sometimes he would talk and talk and talk and not ever really get to a point. And I remember thinking that's what he was doing. I was with my mother shopping, and I was in the store, and he was just talking and talking and talking. And everything was normal to me. So it was nice talking to him. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. Okay, so his phone slipped um, in between the seats. And so I guess he was off GPS for at least a few minutes. Um, what about his car um, and how that was found. I understand it was it was kind of off the road. Did, did it seem to you like he was uh, trying to turn around? I, I think um, the car was facing the other direction. I think as you're driving that road, if you look at a map, it doesn't look like it really turns very much, but it curves enough with trees on both sides that if he wasn't looking... Um, or paying quite attention or fishing for his phone or whatever, and he looks up and then there's trees in front of him and you try to turn and overcorrect, you could spin, but he could have been going too fast for whatever reason. And it caused him to spin as he came to the curve. But, I mean, I don't know. We speculate about anything. I mean, we don't, we don't know. It could have been, we don't know if someone was chasing him. We don't, we don't know if someone else was in the car. We don't know if he just was searching for his phone and ended up, you know, spun around and hit the tree. But but then why didn't he keep searching for his phone when he got to the car? Why did he leave it stuck down the side of his, you know, side of the seat and then start walking off? I mean, I don't know. What has your experience with law enforcement been? Has it been a positive experience or have you been challenged in getting answers? There's been um, a lot 
the resources used to look for Jason, and we're appreciative of all that. Um, they've continued to work on it. I don't know if you're including the AG's office in law enforcement, but it seems like it. But, every, but I mean, they haven't stopped. They keep working on it. Um, they did a whole lot that first year, kind of ran out of ideas, and the AG's office is still working on it. I don't know. There are times when, you know, things got tough, but, but we know everyone's trying to do their best to find him. It's obviously a hard case. It, it certainly is. When we had spoken with Jason Watts and Catherine, we had talked about the discovery of the clothes and the phone. And is it accurate that, Kent, you're the one that discovered the, the clothing uh, early in the morning? Yes. Yeah. Um, I got the clothes out of the roadway right near the accident. The phone I got out of his car that uh, um, in the morning um, because we had, you know, find my phone. I knew where it was. Out of out of his car when it was in the storage lot from the tow yard. So yeah, I, I'm I'm the one who. It's kind of weird, you know, thinking as a lawyer that I'm the one in the chain of custody for most of the physical evidence um, besides the car. So it's just weird how that one's worked. You know, after the the trooper called us and said they couldn't reach Jason on the phone, and so of course we hang up and I'm trying to call him and. Kind of surprised me that it took a, I don't know, a little while before I thought, oh, I can see where his phone is. I think that would be an immediate thought because I would do that. But, you know, just, I guess, just being distraught. I didn't think of it immediately to tell him, oh, it's in the car. But I was able to tell Kent later it's in the car when he was driving there. So he knew where the, where the car was taken and, and that, that, you know, that it would be there. So. And it wasn't immediately or has it been determined that this was a crime site because Ken, you had said the chain of uh, custody, uh, have they declared it a crime site or is there nothing like official? I wouldn't say it's official, but I think they are trying to treat it as that now. I I wouldn't know. I disagree. Um, depending on which, of course, it also depends which law enforcement, what time of, what stage of the investigation highway patrol is the original um law enforcement group because uh where, where we are in texas in the rural counties the highway patrol works all auto accidents that are not in a city so highway patrol treated it as you know a single car accident and jason you know in many ways it's almost like for them it was like Jason was secondary. They just worked the auto accident. Um, the Caldwell County Sheriff's Office didn't take over the case until uh, towards the end of that first week. Uh, um, and then they started working the case and they had it for a long period of time, you know, especially based on their comments and the, the materials. I, I don't think they would have classified, they certainly didn't classify it as a crime. They did do investigation. The AG's office, it's a missing persons case, so that's not necessarily a crime or other. They're just working it as a missing persons case. So, um, it, it, and that's kind of one of the, the issues is there's not, 
there is some evidence, but without a body, without anything to work on, you know, they, they have a hotline, they receive tips and they work those. And then, you know, until they find something more, they just keep working it as a missing, missing persons case, which could or could not turn into a crime. Right. I think it's important for the listeners to hear something like that, that immediately people's heads go to this is a crime and they'll call it a crime scene. And then from there, a lot of critique of how searches and investigations start popping up. So just to establish like the state of it right now, I think is important. So people know sort of where it's at uh, in the, I guess, legal sense. But if you don't mind going back, I meant to ask earlier about the clothes. How far away were the clothes from the vehicle when you found them and in what condition were they? They measured it. They think it said it was 900 feet from the accident site heading. But when Kent got there, the car wasn't there. So he wouldn't yeah. know how right. far it was from yeah. the car. Yeah, because I was I was traveling a Salt Flat Road that would have been, I guess, north-ish, north-ish towards, away from town, towards what, where the accident scene was. And I was, I was just driving slowly looking for, I expected to for see him. Jason any minute. I expected to see the car. I expected to see flashing lights and cops and investigators, you know, lots of flashlights, that type of thing. So I was driving slow looking for where that would be. And she had already talked to the officer and he gave her kind of an approximate location. So I knew I was in the vicinity. And so I'm driving my headlights on. It was probably six or so six something in the morning. And just in my headlights, I saw something in the road. I stopped and looked and I could see that it, I knew it was closed and I knew it was Jason's clothes because in my headlights I could see uh, his SpongeBob socks and his slides, which I, I knew in his and that Choye t-shirt. So I knew it was his clothes just lying in the middle of the road. And so I picked it up and put it in my car and um, kept going until I found the accident site, uh, which was, you know, immediately uh, up ahead to the right. So, yeah, it was um, it was really unusual. And, and that's kind of one of the reasons why I, you know, I, I took the video just to record where I found it, because normally for law enforcement, they would collect all the evidence, take the pictures, stuff like that. So I just tried to do that as best I could. You know, I didn't have a, a gloves or, a, you know, evidence bag or anything like that. But I just... Um, well, and number one, it's it's his clothes. I, I mean, I don't want people just running over it with their cars and stuff like that. So I didn't know if it would be important or not. I, I figured at the time maybe it had fallen out of his bag or he was, you know, who knows. So I just picked it up, put it in the car. We certainly didn't expect it to be something where we needed to have evidence. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> just figured that's we'd the truth. find him. Yeah. yeah, right. You certainly don't want to have that approach going on in your head when you find something that you need to collect this like evidence. I mean, that is certainly something that you don't want to have going on in your head. And when we had spoken with uh, Jason Watts and Catherine, they were talking about how the clothes were on the ground as if they were dropped in. They weren't like just in one pile. They said that they were like a piece here, an article there, an article there. Was that how it is that how it seemed or it was that what it was like? No, that's true. I mean, and you can see it in the video. I mean, 
going from the car towards town. It was his his uh, slides, his socks, his shirt, which had his watch under it, his shorts, and then his underwear. So it would have, if memory serves, it would have been in sequence of how you take clothes off. But they were all they were all near each other, but probably I would say they're probably at the least they're probably about six feet or five six feet apart from each other for sure. Okay, and if he was undressing as he continued to walk, um, w- was he heading? In your opinion, w- was he heading in the same way that the car was facing, or the opposite way? Uh, the car came to a rest facing, yeah, because it, it turned around 180 degrees. So it was actually the it was facing towards town, opposite the way he would have been traveling, because the car slid around, uh, slid, slid around, and then hit the tree and then came to rest up against the barbed wire fence. Okay, so it was opposite the way he was traveling. So did, what, does that tell you anything? <laughs> I mean, I'm That's... just laughing because we, you know, for two and a half years we've thought about it and we don't have any answers, so yeah. I don't know. I mean, based on the way the tire tracks are, I mean, you can see you could see tire tracks and that's a gravel road, so... Um, if you started to, I mean, we've all, most of us have been in a, in a spin of some sort or on a gravel road. And if you kind of go over on the shoulder, you can lose traction. If you overcorrect, you can, of course, spin around. You know, I know a lot of people think that are, are saying based on the damage to the rear of the car, they think the car was rear ended by another car or something like that. I don't know. They've investigated that there's no paint or anything else from another vehicle on the bumper or something like that to that would normally be transferred when you, you know, run into the rear end of another car. Um, a lot of the damage from the to the rear end of the car, I think, actually was done by the tow truck pulling it out of that ditch, um, and they just tore the bumper off while they were doing that. Is, is my guess. And as for the direction he was walking, I think, I don't know, it seems like you would want to walk the way you came. Everything in front of you is pitch dark. The headlights were shining the direction that he walked. He didn't turn them off. So that's the only way he could see. Plus there was um, little fire burners at the top of the tanks off in that direction. I don't think he could see any going the other direction. So that would be why I think he would walk that direction, mostly because of the headlights. Well, that and, and I mean, if you got there at night, it's pitch dark. There's it, it. There's not a lot there. I mean, if you just looked around, you looked for lights going north, you're not going to find any lights. You're not going to see there's not another town till uh, Lockhart. So most people would would generally, I would think, um, start walking towards town and, and then, of course, start looking for homes or something like that to look for help. You know, when when do you go off the road thinking, you know, if there's an opening in the fence, a driveway type thing, you might go down, knock on a door. But, um, you know, that's all that's all conjecture. You know, it's 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 hard to tell. Um, and that's part of the confusion yeah. of it. I'm pretty sure there wasn't a moon that night either. It was a clear night. There was meteor shower that night, but there were no lights anywhere. Stars were beautiful. 
There was no clouds. I can tell you that it was it was it was a clear, cold night. It was windy, very windy, cold. Yeah, windy, windy clear, Arctic cold. winds. <laughs> very it's, unusual for Texas. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to ask that. Is that just something that is completely? sort of unheard of when it comes to well, the weather sure he wasn't expecting it the cold air was coming in yeah. that day i was actually in austin that day and i was thinking i need to get home before uh before any bad weather happens and then i'm sure he was he's probably just in his room and had no idea that it was getting cold which is why he had shorts on and he just left you know yeah yeah was there anything on his cell phone that was gathered that was you know proven to be useful any phone calls they were able to, to, you know, see a lot of things on his phone, but, you know, nothing. I mean, he's not found. They don't know what happened to him, so I guess nothing was useful. A lot of people have a lot of theories and opinions. You know, there's no conversations of him planning on meeting anyone for any purpose. Luling's not where you would go to find love or to find drugs, I would think. So um, what do I think? I think he was on his way home after, you know, for Christmas break. Well, not for good. Not for good, yeah. He left his, right. all his clothes there. Yeah. They were in the washing machine and the dryer. Yeah. I think his plan was he was going to come home for a, a little bit, then go back because he was going to meet his friend, right? He was going to come in. Yeah, one of, his, one of his high school friends goes to a different college, lives in a different town, and he was going to be coming to San Marcos to visit another band friend. So I know Jason was going to go back up there to see him in San Marcos and then come back home for good once uh, his big sister came home. Okay, so before the break, they, before his uh, the holiday break, he was going to head back and then come back for the holidays to your place? Well, he was he was done with finals. So oh, he was. Yeah, okay. School was on break. He had just finished finals the day before. So, you know, this was what, five days, five days, give or take, before Christmas. So, you know. Well, it was the 13th. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Why was, it, why was I thinking? Yeah, like I don't know why I was thinking. You're right. So he had, yeah, he had some time before, you know, Christmas week started and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he had a textbook that had to be returned that was lying on his bed. So that's right. He was planning to return that. So I know he wasn't coming home for good. Not when you leave all your clothes in the washer and in the dryer. So yeah. Wet in the washer. Yeah, that's interesting. It was that in a communal spot, like a community laundry spot in the dorm. He just shared it with his roommates. Okay. But when we went back to clean out his apartment, yeah, we found all his clothes like that. And have you had an opportunity to speak with his roommates? No, we haven't. They were gone for a break, and I know that the uh, you know law enforcement did, but we haven't. We didn't really know him. We met one of them the day that we moved him in, and that was it. So. Yeah, he he didn't know his roommates. Uh, he did potluck and. They were upperclassmen in fraternities. They, they were, one never came back for school. He never met one of his roommates. So with the other two, they didn't have much relationship. They didn't, um, yeah, they, they had a different life than him. And did he have a girlfriend at the time? He was still friends with his ex-girlfriend, but I don't know of any girlfriends. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. And um, now I understand the advocates, um, Jason and, and Catherine and, and um, a, a lot of other folks um, have been have been conducting searches in the area of where he disappeared. Um, 
how is the progress uh, going with their searches? Uh, They've done so many. It's so amazing that they're all volunteering their time and learning how to search and going out there in whatever harsh conditions they have found. They just keep going and keep looking. Um, I know that now it's so hot out there that there's going to have to be somewhat of a break before they can go again. But knowing Catherine, she'll come up with something else to do. She seems to be never-ending, a list of ideas and things she can do to try to help. So it's quite amazing. It's amazing that God has pulled these people together, and they have become like their own family together and are so determined to, to help us. It's, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, I know in the course of these episodes that Tim and I do, we speak to a lot of people and a lot of people who volunteer for searches. And Catherine came on and she started explaining how they go about searching. And it was such valuable information for people who haven't done it yet, who would want to do it. And thinking about little things like water and, you know, perhaps even renting a, you know, a a porta potty or something, you know, just these things that can get people through the search and like we had the same opinion when she started talking we were just like this woman's a a a force of nature she just won't stop until there's an answer and her background is incredible too and she's just a warrior so huge like long-winded way of saying you're in good hands with the two of them (laughs) is is there any advice or anything that you can tell people who are listening who are, are in the area or plan to embark on a search for Jason? Well, I mean, if, if they're interested and they want to help, um, you know, they can contact uh, me or Catherine just on Facebook. They can go to the Find Jason Landry page, direct message me, and, and I'll connect them with Catherine, or they can find Catherine also on the search. So, uh, you know, part of it is for people to understand it's not easy. It's, a, it's, it's physically taxing, and it's also mentally and emotionally taxing. You know, you have to think about what you're looking for and to take it seriously and also be able to take instruction and work as part of a team because it's not just everybody go off in a direction and do your own thing. It's very much it's very organized and it's very you have to be very be willing to be very intentional, especially if you don't if you've never been part of it and really be able to take that instruction and direction from the people who know what they're doing. And then there's the other aspect like. For right now, it's freaking 100 degrees out there. You know, you have to wear uh, snake protection and things like that. So it's, it's, you know, for people who are interested and want to do it, uh, they're welcome to do it if they wish. But, but do think about your capacities and your willingness to um, get out there and spend at least two days uh, doing some, some hard work. And, and just it, it, takes, it takes a lot out of you. Um, especially when you physical and emotional. You can't just go out on your own either because yeah. it's people's land. So yeah. there has to be, yeah. you know, permission and really needs to be organized. Yeah. It's dangerous because it's an, it's an active oil and gas production area and there are cattle and snakes and uh, Plum Creek is right there. So I just want people to be careful uh, if that, you know, to, especially cause you are, if you just go out there on your own, you're going to be on someone's property. There's a lot of amateur sleuths out there, out in rural Texas, especially cell phone coverage is spotty out there. You know, if you get in trouble, 
they're going to have a hard time getting to you in time. So um, just want people to, to be safe if they, if they do want to help. We, we, can, we can put them in touch with them and be part of the group. That's the much better way to do it than going out on your own and uh, trying to figure it out. But it's, I mean, we, we, we search and we keep searching and we won't stop, but it's, we're continuing to search kind of the same area. And that's one of the questions I know for Texas Search and Rescue. That's one of the things that they're trying to figure out is what have they missed or what's somewhere new to search? Or do you go back and go over the old area and try to figure out what, um, why haven't we found him? Because the statistics would say we should have found him long, long ago, and yet we haven't. So very good advice for anybody who's listening, who's thinking about doing this. And we will certainly put links and contact information in the show notes for this episode. So people will know where to reach out to. And I think you just mentioned or previously mentioned that Jason has siblings. How many siblings does he have? Two. A sister and a brother. And then he was the last one. Is there anything else you'd like to say uh, here today? We're just so grateful about all the people that have prayed and the people that are still interested, still praying, still asking, still searching, still trying to think of ways that they can help. And it's been almost two and a half years. It's just unbelievable. It's been so long and unbelievable. We still have so much support. So thanks to everybody for that. And obviously, thank you for coming on and sharing your story, sharing Jason's story. It's incredibly difficult so we appreciate you putting yourself out there i think uh, people need to hear you know how it just doesn't get easier it's just more time passes well thank you for also being part of this by spreading the word yourselves we appreciate it yeah thank you